Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Activision Blizzard King Brendan Bigley. Oh, boy. I'm Stephen Hilger. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, I want to welcome you back. I'm, I'm relieved that you made it back. Uh, Thank you. Good health. Welcome back to the United States. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be back in New York. It's funny because, yeah. like, obviously, you know, Paris, France, very nice place to be. I've wanted to go. There. I think I oh, mentioned yeah. this last week, but like I've wanted to go there since I was in like fourth grade. It's been like, yeah, top, like literally top of the bucket list places I wanted to visit. That's amazing. So to kind of have like a monkey's paw curl, like, aha, but now you're fucking stuck here. Uh, was like <laughs> definitely uh, an unexpected twist. But as, as I mentioned, uh, worst places to be stuck. And luckily, my last day there specifically was just like the dream. It was like the dream day. It was like woke up, went and got tests like first thing in the morning. Both of us came back negative. We were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We can go home. This is over. And then immediately the sun came out for the first time our whole trip and was just like the most beautiful, like kind of nice weather day. And I just walked around with my camera and took pictures like literally for like eight hours straight. That's amazing. And, and it was like one of my favorite days in a long time. So that was very nice. It was it was kind of like a little reward for uh, isolating and doing all that stuff. But anyway, flew back yesterday. Um, definitely a little bit jet lagged, but uh, feeling pretty good right now, at least. So that's nice. Back in the Big Apple, as they say. Back in the Big Apple. Immediately got home, walked right to a bodega and got a chopped cheese. Uh, if you don't know what a chopped cheese is, you should look it up uh, and make one for yourself because they're pretty easy to make. I do like how there are definitely rituals whenever I'm like back in a place. I'm like, mm. I need to do this immediately. Yes. Like whenever I go to Jersey, I immediately have to get an egg and cheese bagel with Taylor Ham. Totally. Yes, I said Taylor Ham. Taylor Ham. Get over it. <laughs> uh, and uh, we lost our pork roll audience. Yeah. But uh, anyway... I'm glad you're back and I'm glad you're settling back in. Thank you. What's funny is so like, you know, yesterday the the flight is long, uh, especially on the way back. The flight there was pretty short. Weirdly, the the way back was like closer to eight hours. So I played a lot of video games on the plane, three of which we'll talk about later. Uh, But then last night I got home and I was like, I really need to stay awake. Uh, And I didn't really know what to do to stay awake. So I was like, let me check out new stuff because there's new stuff out, which is weird yeah, even though it's you know cool. still january because I, I we i think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago or something but like pokemon legends arceus seems to be like the first big release of the year that's sure. coming out uh the friday that this episode comes out which oh i'm very God. excited about <laughs> yeah i know yeah uh, we'll see i'm very i'm very uh cautiously excited yeah sure. i'm excited too because just to be clear there's another game that's coming out that day that i can't wait to play which is uh record of lodos war deed lit in the wonder labyrinth which is I don't know. I thought it was already out. It, it's out on everything except Switch, but I really oh, I want to play it on Switch. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so I'm excited to play that also. It comes out on the same day. Uh, so yeah. a little preview for next week's episode, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I didn't even realize this, but there's other stuff that's been coming out. Chief among them is a new game by Drinkbox Studios, which I'm I'm a fan of Drinkbox. Um, the, the, the two, I, I would say, biggest games, or I guess three biggest games that they've uh, created were Guacamelee, Guacamelee 2, which is a sequel that a lot of people really liked, and then Severed. They also had two games called Tales from Space that came out around like the PS3 era. But uh, Guacamelee and Severed were like kind of, you know, big deal yeah. indie games at the time, uh, small 
small studio. They've been around. I think they're in Canada or something like that. They've been around since uh, like the early 2010s, just about. But they put out a new game and they haven't for a long time. I think since Guacamelee 2, whenever that was, I don't even remember. It feels like it was forever ago. Maybe it was recent, but <laughs> it feels like they haven't put out a game in a long time. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was excited to see that it wasn't a sequel to anything like totally new IP. Um, it's called Nobody Saves the World. Dropped immediately day and date on Game Pass, which was also kind of a no brainer. I would have picked it up regardless because I liked Guacamelee and Severed enough. I never played Guacamelee 2, but I liked Guacamelee and Severed enough. They're on my list of like, if the studio makes a game, I will play it because they seem to be doing interesting things. Yeah. Guacamelee was like a Metroidvania kind of thing. Severed is like a really like gorgeous, gorgeous kind of touchscreen focused, I don't even know, RPG kind of thing. It's really good. It's a good video game. But anyway, that having been said, Nobody Saves the World is like, it seems like a total left turn for them. I don't know what the Tales from Space games are like. I didn't play them. But it seems like Nobody Saves the World is like a totally new thing for them. Honestly, even artistically, like I think they have a really strong art direction in most of their stuff. Like Guacamelee is a really beautiful looking game. Severed in particular has this like really like vibrant kind of like neo hyperspace looking uh, color palette with like really like strong geometric art design art design for all the characters and all the items and things like that um that that game in particular i think is really like a flex of like look at how fucking good we are at making beautiful shit <laughs> and nobody saves the world weirdly enough feels like almost more akin to i would say like really 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 plussed up Newgrounds art like it has a kind of <laughs> Newgroundsy vibe to it in a sense yeah but has all this like wonderful lighting going on uh, a lot of it takes place like in the dark uh, and it's lit up by torches and stuff oh yeah no I, I'm looking at it now it definitely definitely has that vibe but almost a little bit of like don't starve as well yeah it, it, feel, it feels like a modernized version of kind of that like era of art design sure. Um, right. in a sense. And I would say that like, that's not really a bad way to talk about the tone of the game. Also, it kind of has a like, what if new grounds, but not as back of the throat, make you want to throw up kind of energy. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I know what you mean. It's just a very funny point of reference. I just, I just feel like if I was to go play like anything from the Newgrounds era, really at all, like um, I forget the team that made like Alien Hominin and battle block theater and stuff but like that era of stuff very much i feel like is akin to like brushing the back of your tongue you know <laughs> it kind of looks like don Hertzfeld simplicity meets like uh ren and stimpy a little bit yeah know? that's a that's a good i like that i like that mashup it has like that nicktoons like kind of chaos but mm. with with sort of like a like the main character has that kind of surreal yeah look to them i'll say this much i mean i i think What's nice about this is that it is a, I would say, like the first like kind of cool game release of the year that I've played at least. And B, immediately becomes like the first contender for the game of the year list. Like right now, the game of the year is nobody saves the world. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll stay at that, the top of the list, but like it's uh-huh. the only thing on the list. And uh, it's it's just because sometimes the first game that comes out, you play and you're like, that's good. I played a 2022 game and that's fun. And like, that's as much as you think about it. It's very nice to have played this because I sat down to play it for like what I thought was going to be an hour or two and it was going to put me to sleep and I was going to be like all right time to move on to something else more exciting you know play Halo or something to keep me awake and ended up playing this for like four or five hours just like straight yeah it is really cool when a game that comes out this early is like a contender I mean I think the big example of that for me was Celeste then it came out like January 10th of 2018 yeah, like it was pretty really early. early yeah and that was like completely unrivaled for me until you know 
became my game of the year. Yeah. So I, it just it's nice when that happens. I yeah. Like that. Totally. I think it, there's definitely a bias for stuff that's like it's the same thing with movies where it's like you know the Oscar season, the end of the year. Right. It's more recent, but like I, I think it's always worth looking back on the whole the whole year and and evaluating that. Yeah. It's nice that like at the end of the year, I'll go back and play this again, probably and be like, wow, that was really good. So enough about the fucking art. All right. Here's what the game is. (laughs) I'm sick of it. (laughs) I'm going to yak. I'm going to brush the back of my tongue till I yak. (laughs) One more step and I'm going to brush it. No, 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 no. We got to move on. We got to move on. This can't be the show. I, it, it fits the energy of the game weirdly. So the game is, Stephen, uh, the game is essentially like a very, I would say, Diablo style, grindy style interpretation of A Link to the Past, like that kind of okay. era specifically of Zelda, like dungeon crawler. So the game starts weirdly, kind of like chicory in a sense, where uh, you're like this just kind of formless, shapeless, like humanoid looking thing with like dead eyes who like stumbles into what is an active crime scene where like a great mage has gone missing and their wand has been left behind. And uh, there's like somebody who really wants to pick up the wand who like thinks that they deserve it. And instead you pick it up and just like run away with it and start using it. So it's like a re- it weirdly feels a little bit like chicory a in that bit, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then th- that's it, by the way, for a relation to chicory, because <laughs> uh, immediately <laughs> what you find out is that the wand allows you to turn yourself into different kinds of beings and the first form you can turn yourself into is a rat so you immediately turn yourself into a rat and you start running around and uh like make your way into caves and dungeons and stuff and fight enemies and what happens is as you're playing the game when you're playing as the rat for example you start and you run into this dungeon and the only thing you can do is bite things but because you're a rat and i guess you have a plague or something like you poison the enemies that you bite eventually you know you have like this little uh meter that's filling up as you're continuing to poison and kill enemies when you fill that up you unlock a bunch of experience points and they're like hey here's a new ability for your rat and now when something is poisoned you can press this button and it's uh it's called consume and it allows you to eat poisoned monsters uh and if you do that you regain your health cool great so now you're like blending those two abilities together okay i'm biting this stuff until it's poisoned i'm filling up a little meter you know i can watch it getting poisoned and when it's poisoned i press this other button and now i've eaten the thing and i'm getting my health back it's great it kind of has this like risk reward system where it's like i'm getting a little bit too close to the enemies for comfort but i know that i'm gonna get that health back almost like bloodborne in a sense but doesn't yeah yeah doesn't feel like bloodborne but kind of that that risk reward so eventually you know you you fill up this other bar that's like okay consume x amount of enemies okay i did that okay now that you've done that you have like a passive ability added to your at, and now there's another bar that's like okay fill that up like use that passive ability you know x amount of times and you do that and then they're like okay cool now you can play as an archer and now you can turn yourself into an archer great interesting weird now the archer has their own set of goals you have to accomplish it's like all these little bars you got to fill up and you fill up all those eventually you get more abilities like the rat all over again uh and then that is like, okay, now you can play as new characters. Now you can turn into a horse. And the horse just runs really fast and kicks with its back <laughs> hooves. Uh, yeah. Which means that you have to run in front of an enemy, turn around, and then press the attack button if you want to hit them. Uh, but when you do, they go flying backwards. You know, you hit really hard because you're a fucking horse. And you can talk to horses, obviously, when you're a horse. So 
the game kind of unfurls where you have this like tree of characters you can turn into. And I think this is kind of where the brilliance of the game lies. And it's definitely not going to be for everyone. I really want to make that very clear because this game is like very grindy and the game is about the grind. Like the the story is almost non-existent. The story is like for the people who really need something to pull them through, I think. The story is like what happened to the wizard who lost the wand in the first place is kind of it. Uh, and you make your way around this kingdom and like try and find them kind of like a Zelda game. But the game really, really is about experiencing all of these different classes and all of these different things that you can turn yourself into. And they're like really, really varied, right? So we have like rat, archer, there's like a, you know, sword and shield kind of knight, but then you have a horse. Uh, I unlocked a slug recently. Uh, the slug lets you turn into a mermaid eventually. Uh, I got one character who is just a magician who like literally pulls shit out of their hat and like throws playing cards, kind of like Gambit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, instead of being like I, when I unlocked the magician, I was thinking like, you know, pointy hat wizard kind of thing. But no, right, no, no, no. Right. this is like top hat, pull a rabbit out of a hat. You're like a Vegas performer. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. So the game has this like really kind of irreverent thing going on in terms of the characters you can play as and the characters you're talking to and the world itself is very much trying to be silly and trying to be comedic. And like, I think it's pleasant. I don't know if it like sticks the landing on that side of it. But what it does really stick the landing on is I think taking the Diablo like slash and loot kind of thing. And instead of making it about like, oh, I got you know, this sword that is slightly better than the last sword I had. Cool. I'm doing like, you know, 2x the damage I was doing before. And that makes the game more fun to some people. This is like, no, no, no. Your rewards are completely different ways of playing this game. And you can switch between them at will. And they all have their own disparate upgrade trees that allow you to upgrade all of their abilities and do all these different things with them. And what's really, really cool you know, I, I think that that's like an interesting thing in itself. Eventually you get to a point, I would say like two hours ish in when you've unlocked a bunch of people or a bunch of different things that you can play as you get to start to combine those abilities together. So like, OK, cool. Now I'm playing as like a knight. And whenever I'm slashing things, I'm doing like slash damage. But also uh, I can add the like rats passives. I'm poisoning things when I attack them. And I'm also using the rats consume thing. So as the knight, I'm like eating the enemies after I've poisoned them. Uh, <laughs> it gets really, really bizarre when you start to mash these things together. And eventually you start getting quests that are like, OK, combine this and this, right? Like be a horse that has slash damage somehow, you know, and the game gets really fun when it asks you to do that. And and that's kind of what I mean when I say this game isn't really for everybody because it is about grinding. But the fact that the reward is new play styles and not just like loot or gear, I think is actually a really smart way of making it so it doesn't feel like you're grinding. It just feels like progressing. I I would say the most like obvious on the nose thing is the first merchant you meet sells you a thing that's called an infinite quest, which is kill 300 enemies. And you get experience when you kill 300 enemies and then the quest resets and you just do that over and over again. You just get experience every time you kill 300 enemies like that in itself is a little microcosm of what this game is trying to do. What's nice, though, is like at the end of the day, it's not like a live service game. Uh, It's not like a game that's going to go on forever. Like it is a story that has a beginning and an end. It just has these like really kind of fun branching trees of ways you can play the game to get to that end. And I think for uh, for everything it sets out to do, it's like really successful at all of it. I, I don't think I would have played this game that much last night if uh, if it wasn't like exceedingly fun. I think it has a kind of rough first hour when you can only play as the rat and the archer and the knight. Uh, but when you like unlock the horse uh, and the magician and the bodybuilder, it gets really good. It sounds really fun. I definitely want to check it out. You said it's on Game Pass? Mm-hmm. Cool. Game Pass. Cool. 
I think you'll like it. I don't know if you'll love it. You know, we've done this podcast for a long time. I feel like at this point, I kind of know. I think you would want a little bit more story. And I think mm. you would want the comedy to be better. <laughs> I, think you, I think you want the comedy to be better. We need the funny. Bring me the funny. I think. Come I, on, rat. Do a dance. There are some things that like actually have made me chuckle a little bit. But a lot of it is just like, isn't this guy wacky? And like, that's not always it for me. You know, <laughs> I think that's great. Um, OK, hey, give it a shot. Come back next week. Talk Isn't about this it. wacky? You know what it is. God you're, damn it. You're damn wacky. right. You're damn right. It's wacky. <laughs> it sounds like a really cool idea, though. And I think like I think that there are a lot of games in recent years. I think Hades is sort of the pinnacle example that have like really found out how to make a cyclical kind of gameplay pattern feel like you're always progressing. Yeah. You know, like with Hades, you're always getting like, even if you like die in the first room and mm-hmm. get nothing, right. You're still going to get more story, more dialogue. Like you're always going to make fun like, of you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It feels very dynamic in and the like, game to be clear. <laughs> and also in your life, everyone's going to text you. It sends an alert to everyone, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting like way to approach the sort of Diablo, like, dungeon crawler genre because it kind of reminds me of like one aspect of binding of isaac where a lot of the appeal of that game you know i, I never really like latched onto it too strongly but like talking to you about it and talking to our friends who are really big fans a lot of the appeal is like what are you going to get this run like what what are the combination of powers that mm-hmm. are going to make this feel unique and it feels like they just sort of zeroed in on that aspect yeah it's like oh what if you could just choose them what if you could just right, pick them exactly. out of a hat what what I love, by the way, because all the characters play totally differently and, you know, there's like a wheel that you can, you know, hot swap between them. So like if you need to do slash damage on one thing to break a shield or something, you can like switch this sword knight for a second and like slash them and then switch back to whatever you're playing as. But in the main dungeons, like the like story progressing dungeons, there are a lot of side dungeons all over the place, but the story progressing dungeons, you actually can't progress uh any of your characters at all they're just like just like do what you need to to make it through the thing which i like because it kind of takes the pressure off because like you know you could put yourself into a weird precarious situation uh where you're like trying to build up experience for the archer for example who i find to be kind of difficult to play as but like oh i really need to level them up so i can unlock the next thing the main dungeons are like why don't you take a break from that just for this one time and then make your way through so uh i spent my first like big dungeon playing through as the slug who uh is isaac from binding of isaac like when you play as the slug (laughs) you literally shoot tears out of your eyes in whatever oh, wow. direction you're facing. It like very much is Binding of Isaac, which I think is really great. And then when you're able to start combining that with other abilities, you're essentially just playing Binding of Isaac where you get to choose your items. So yeah, that that's like in the game. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, wow. it's fun. That's um, cool. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I think I think you'll like it. I think I think you'll yeah, at least yeah. have a good time with it. I would definitely say you're going to want to spend at least more than an hour playing it sure. um, before you like sure. really make up your mind about it. I'm excited to keep playing it. My I mean, fucking constant thing. We say it all the time. It's almost like a thing that you shouldn't say anymore. I feel like it's like a it's like a bad word, but I feel like this would be great on the switch. I want this handheld. I want it. <laughs> I want to take this everywhere. Like I, I really want to be able to progress this stuff or like jump in and like do a side dungeon and like level up my slug and then <laughs> move on, you know, but I think the game, honestly, I'm not sure about this. And obviously there are like beautiful games that run really well on the switch, but it feels like something that would have a hard time running on switch. And I can't put my sure. finger on why, cause I'm not a game developer. I don't know anything. So I'm kind of talking out my ass here. <laughs> But it feels like the kind of thing that I think would have a hard time on the Switch. Maybe not. Maybe it shows up there. And if it does, I'm going to feel great. And I'll play it again. I just love like, I don't really know why because I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs>
I also love the idea of, of saying I want this on Switch is now profanity. <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean. There's a certain je ne sais quoi where it's like I can feel the like preemptive load times on this being bad on Switch. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it's weird because then you have stuff like Monster Hunter Rise where it's like, how the hell did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> so you never really know. Yeah. What 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 a fucking dark secret did Capcom find out? Um, yeah. So all that said, Nobody Saves the World is very good. It's very, very good. And it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, you can just go play it. A 2022 hit. Yeah. This early in the year. We got a hit already. Yeah. I do feel I do feel like it's a hit. And and I've I haven't seen a lot of discussion about it yet. I, I know I think the besties talked about it last week, if I'm not mistaken. And I've seen like a couple tweets here and there that are like, this is good. But I haven't seen a lot of discussion about it. So I hope people check it out. I hope people give it a shot. And I think it being on Game Pass is more than enough reason to do that. I wish I could directly credit who said this, but I, I just sort of oversaw in the Discord people talking about it, and someone said it's good Ball in Wonderworld, which I think is Oh very my funny. god. <laughs> That might be the pitch. Wow. Yeah. Whoever said that, that's very clever. Thank you for giving that gift to us. That's but, amazing. Um, I, just, I just sort of saw that while scrolling the, the game's general channel. That's awesome. Yeah. Should I find out? Yeah, why not? Shout out to Gatsby in the Discord who said, is this just good Ball and Wonderworld? <laughs> the question we all needed to ask. Wow, the Discord really did like melt down after that too. Uh, yeah. Appropriately, I think. Um <laughs> Anyway, so if you want to check out Good Ball and Wonder World, that's available on Game Pass. Uh, I will actually now I'm thinking about it. I want it on Switch. I'm gonna play it on uh, XCloud with my backbone controller on my cellular telephone. It's that easy. That'll be great. It's that easy. So that's a game. That's a 2022 video game. It's the first one of the yeah. year that we've talked about. It's very fun. Come back next week for more. <laughs> if you're like, you know what? I feel like Aether's sold out. They're talking about new hits. Don't worry. We have three 2010 somethings coming your way in the last <laughs> half of this episode. So we've we've not forgotten our place in this universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, our, our roots are strong. They dig deep into the earth. <laughs> You want to take a break and then come back? I would love to take a break. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Brendan, we are back. And I wanted to quickly bring up a board game that is based <gasps> on a video game, which feels like the reverse of what we kind of opened the year with. With uh, We talked about a bunch of like video game adaptations of board games oh, right, not too yeah. long ago. But here we are on the other side. Wow. That's right. I played the Bloodborne board game wow. by uh, C-M-O-N or Come On. I don't know if it's pronounced Come On, but that's what I'm come reading. On. Uh, the, come, come on, on Global come Limited. Come on, live the hunter's dream. Live a little. Come to Yarnum. <laughs> I played the Bloodborne board game with a few oh. close friends of mine. They're also the publishers of Root. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. I love Root. Yeah. I specify this because there are actually two Bloodborne board games. One is like a card game that features Bloodborne lore and characters. And this one by CMON is, uh, I, I guess, kind of like uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, where like as you're exploring Yarnum, you're putting down tiles that like are each like a different area where something different happens. So like as you progress, you're kind of slowly building like your own kind of version of Yarnum. Mm. Um, and it features really, really cool miniatures. So every character... Like you choose your trick weapon and every hunter with their various trick weapons like has their own miniature and all the enemies, some of the bosses, like the cleric beast mini 
is very, very cool. <laughs> I say this because I think one kind of pain point of this game is the price. It's very expensive. But I will say that, like, you get a lot of minis that are really cool. And if you are someone who, like, either selects to collect minis or uses them for your own D&D game, or if you want to maybe run a D&D game that's, like, Bloodborne-based... This will have a lot of use for you, I think. Yeah. Like I immediately upon seeing them was like, I want to run a Bloodborne campaign like tonight. But I played the board game and it's really cool. I I was very curious to see how it would be because the whole idea of like Bloodborne and the Souls like games are learning from failure. And I, I just wondered how that would feel in a board game setup, you know? Totally. I'm looking at these miniatures, man. They're gorgeous. Yeah, I played as a... I used the threaded cane, which uh, the mini for that kind of looks like Lady Maria a little bit. She has the cane and the and a cannon. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah. you're so you're wandering around Yarnum. Each like campaign is sort of set in a kind of different like saga of Bloodborne, so it doesn't really follow the game's story mm. like perfectly. Is it like random every time you play it, where like you could pretty much? Kind of yeah, mix and I mean you have. Things? You'll have a goal in mind, but like because the tiles are always shuffled, like you never know where you're going to go next. Mm. So like you all start at like a central like lamppost. And then as you kind of venture out, like the first thing I found was the cathedral that had treasure chests in it. And the specific like feature of that area was whenever you did an action in that area, you would heal to health. So yeah. I really lucked out because that was the thing I found. Everyone else found, found like four werewolves like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like hanging out. Just tripped and fell to the void where Rom the vacuous yeah. spider lives before you do anything. I was like just like showing off my fashion and threaded cane while everyone else was like getting wrecked by werewolves. So... <laughs> The way it works is really cool. So basically, in order to move, like every tile uh, is divided into like either a quadrant or like thirds. And to move one or two places, you have to use an action, which essentially everyone has three cards that are also considered actions. So you have to discard a potential action in order to even move. Mm, wow. The stuff that's on the card would be like, uh, dodge or stagger or attack plus one. So if you want to explore, you already are prioritizing that over combat. And then you have to consider like, okay, like uh, every, it's a lot. I will say that it, like it definitely, as, as most board games like this do, it does take a while to set up and explain, but it's not actually that dense. I was, I was expecting it to be a lot denser. I mean, we had just played Oath, which is like maybe the most <laughs> dense thing I've experienced. Yeah. Never mind board game. This isn't too bad because like one, I love when board games do this. You have like a little like legend with you. Everyone gets like a little like tablet that just has all the rules on it. So like mm. you don't have to constantly ask a friend to like check the rule book. You can just look at this little thing cool and you're like kind of player hunter like i guess tableau or whatever it is like you can see like okay i have each weapon has three different attacks and you can see the damage it will do and the speed in which the attack is is happening mm. and then that's matched against what the enemy's speed is and everything so like you know if you want to dodge your dodge has to be faster than the enemy attack that kind of stuff usually when an attack does more, it's slower. But then also every weapon has its own kind of feature. So like the Threat of Cain, I would recommend, at least in the campaign we did, because <laughs> in order to stagger, for example, your speed has to be faster than the enemy's attack. And if it's the same, the enemy attack will prioritize it. But with the Threaded Cane, if it matches the speed, you stagger, which essentially prevents the enemy from hitting you and you get in an attack. Oh, 
That's very, it's very Bloodborne. Okay. It, yeah. And that's the thing is like, they really <laughs> did capture the combat in a turn-based fashion where you have to think about like, you know, I think a lot of Bloodborne is like, when do I go for the offense? Like, when do right. I, you know, and what's cool is that with the board game, every enemy, like the way they attack is you draw from a deck. So it will either be basic, special or ability. And there are only like 10 enemy attack cards. So like once you play a few rounds, you can actually guess what it's most likely to be. Mm. Kind of like when you play Bloodborne and you yeah. see the animations enough, you can kind of like, okay, they're either going to do X, Y, or Z. If I dodge, I'm okay. If I get in a hit, I'm dead. But that's my only opportunity to attack. So that's like, very interesting. Yeah. It really like freezes the action and makes you think about every step of it. On top of that, whenever you die, you go back to the hunter's dream and which, you know, is, is like the game. But the way the sort of chapter works is that there's a like moon, like there's like a counter where whenever like a full round happens, like everyone gets their turn, uh, the, the dial goes down one. And once it reaches the end, if you haven't completed whatever that specific mission is, you lose. And whenever like every five phases or so, there's like a blood moon phase where all the enemies resurrect. Mm. So it's not like the game one-to-one -one where like, if you go back to the hunter's dream, the enemy is not necessarily resurrect, but you are moving the dial down one. And like, if you go to the hunter's dream and someone else dies, suddenly you're two phases ahead. So you have to be really careful when you go to the hunter's dream. You can only have up to three blood echoes. And like when you upgrade yourself in the board game, you really feel it. Like in the game, like you kind of do like you're still you always suck. So it's never really like, yeah, it's like almost a facade of power. That, that's kind of the thing with I would say all the FromSoft stuff is like so much time is spent being like, oh, my God, am I going to put this one experience point into health? And like that actually doesn't help you. And sometimes will even hurt you, as you'll find out. Right. If you right. want to, you know, get use a certain weapon or make a certain weapon better. It's like I put my one experience point that doesn't make me feel any different in a thing that makes me unable to use the weapon i want to use now <laughs> but in the board game when you upgrade you essentially trade one of your action cards for a card that will do multiple things at once so rather oh, than cool. just dodge it's like dodge and then replace this card immediately and draw one That's so cool. like I find that like that dramatically increases your odds of like doing okay. Mm. We, <laughs> so the people I play this with are, are close friends of mine. Actually, two of them got me into Bloodborne. So it felt very special. Yeah. And my friend Calvin, who was kind of the de facto DM of it almost because he had played it before. Uh, he actually had all the audio files downloaded of the enemies. So whenever <laughs> we killed an enemy, he would play like, this dance finished. Or like, it's all your fault. You know, That's like awesome. Oh, I love that. And uh, what we learned, too, is that the consumable items like the pebble, the Molotov cocktail, really good in the board game, which is so funny. So like in the one we played, we we're on the cleric beast campaign. So like we actually didn't even get to fight the cleric beast. What happens with bosses is that every now and then you'll reach a tile where like you have to draw like an event card from the deck and there's like dramatic flavor text. Yeah. And then it will say like add four fog wall tiles to the thing. Like you can't leave. You have to fight this thing. Cool. That's really cool. And uh, so we fought like a werewolf that was like extra powerful. We had two phases left. So if anyone died, it would go up to one. Mm -hmm. And the next phase, it would have restored the full health of the beast. So like 
it was the make or break point. Right. I was just coming back. I, I don't know why I like Neo dodged any danger in this whole campaign. <laughs> I was just coming back from the hunter's dream with my threaded cane. I had like all the stuff I was ready to use. So I just showed up. My other two friends were like on death's door, but basically just trying to survive to prevent the moon from progressing. And then my other friend Calvin was coming from another direction. So like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I show up. <laughs> I fire my cannon. I do my fancy new upgraded threat of cane attack. I get it down to like where it has like one hit left. And then Calvin shows up and he realizes that he has, he had Ludwig's sword, which was cool. Yeah. And he also had a pebble. Now the pebble allows <laughs> you to move a creature one or two spaces either away or closer to you. Yeah. And he couldn't move close enough to attack without sacrificing enough actions where he wouldn't be able to kill it. So essentially our fate came down to a pebble and he was like, (laughs) picture this two hunters are like on death's door, bone exposed, just like drenched in the blood of Yarnum, panting. <laughs> Steven shows up and just essentially strikes a pose. And as, <laughs> as the werewolf is like about to strike, out of nowhere is a small pebble that hits its head. And, and that's how we won. <laughs> so you're able to do it. And it really like, I was really amazed how it captures the headspace you'll be in when you're fighting a boss. And it also captures the like, deep sigh of relief and celebration when you do pull it off so i've really really enjoyed it i do think it takes a lot of setup and i do think that it's like like the game it's not for everyone but if you enjoy bloodborne you kind of want like a different like flavor of it i would recommend it my only potential caveat is that like so we did that was like the first chapter of this like multi-chapter campaign which leads up to fighting the cleric beast Mm. Apparently, the rules say if you like all fail one chapter, you have to start from the very beginning, like chapter one. Mm. But, you know, whatever. I mean, it's that's kind of like I, I haven't experienced that yet with the board games. So it's hard to say whether or not that like pays off in the same way that failure is like your constant teacher in the game. Yeah. But I think it's also as easy as like you could just say, like, I'd rather just start the chapter over and like yeah. no one's going to know. Totally. Like, <laughs> Yeah, just go back to the hunter's dream. Yeah, like maybe just undo all your progress that you made in that chapter and start. Or keep all the progress, whatever items and actions you use, just be like, eh, they're gone. Just kind of like in the game. Yeah, you you can add your own flavor to it, but I I really enjoyed it, and and I think the star of it are the miniatures. They're so cool. I yeah, really like. They look amazing. Want to get it almost only for that. Yeah, uh, it looks like there's a lot of expansions too. Or there are not like a lot, but like the expansions that they've added are the expansions from the game also, which is really fun. Yeah, so like the like Kanehurst Castle. Oh no, that that actually that is in the game. That is in the base game. I forgot Kanehurst right. Castle is You're in right. the base game. But they seem to have like a Hunter's Dream specific expansion that is like kind of focused on uh the what is it the old hunters I think was the name yeah, of the expansion. Yeah, Ludwig and Lady Maria yeah. and all of them. Yeah. Um and then they have another one that's Chalice Dungeons. So I guess that's just like an infinitely kind of like dungeon crawly replayable yeah. thing, which is a really cool idea. And that's um, what's cool is like you can kind of dive in wherever you want. Like I think the campaign we're doing seems like it's kind of the one that want to do first but it's yeah. definitely not like welcoming <laughs> I, <laughs> but it, I don't think Yarnum should be yeah and you know there are events where it will be this is where it reminds me of uh, Betrayal on House on the Hill mm-hmm. which is a great game too where like I went to a tile and I found the old woman who's one of the survivors in the game which is like about time you showed up 
Yeah. Uh, and I had to escort her to Odin Chapel. It's like she would be okay. And essentially the missions we were given were like, you have to get two insight, which you get from like completing quests. So mm. I helped a survivor. We got one. And then there was another quest where we got another. And we had to do that before the phases ended. Oh, the other one was killing the werewolf, which uh, thanks to the single pebble we were able to do. <laughs> That's the Bloodborne board game. Yeah, which uh, by come on by come on, which uh, seems pretty cool. And then, as you mentioned, there's also a card game. Uh, they, apparently, they're both designed by the same person. Which oh, is cool. interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Choose your flavor of Bloodborne. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how much of the card game like emulates the same kind of style of play, but apparently they're both good. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. Choose That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Should we take another break and come back and talk about more video games? Sounds good to me. All right. Sounds finished. Oh, there's also there was one there's one line that truly no one knows what they say. And the file was just named a donut will be the judge. It's It's, a donut will be the judge. It's uh, can you settle the sure bet, Stephen? (laughs) That's that's the line. Pete and Pete gut punch. Wow. (laughs) Excuse me. All right, let's move on. Who's that goof for? Who's <laughs> who's that reference for? Me and the two actors who played Pete. That's who it was for. And the band Polaris. That's who it was for. If you work at Netflix, please, please acquire The Adventures of Pete and Pete and put it on there. I've been asking for this for years. All right. Yeah. Let's take a break. Goodbye. Bye. Dear listener and Stephen, we're back. Me? Hello. Hi. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking about uh, the much maligned trilogy, quote unquote, of video games by the Tokyo RPG Factory, uh, a a small division within Square Enix that uh, set out to make games, quote unquote, inspired by Chrono Trigger. And I have been playing those some more while simultaneously also playing Chrono Trigger, because you and I have mentioned this already, but our bonus for this month is going to be Chrono Trigger. You so and I are excited. both playing the Nintendo DS version. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that you're, you, you can't stop yourself from playing it, which is kind of how I feel. I, I, don't, I obviously don't want to say too much because I want to save it for the bonus episode, but I do find that every time I sit down to play that game, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to pace it out the same way I did with Mother 3, which was like every morning for an hour or half hour to an hour, I would like sit down and while I was waiting for uh, hot water to heat up so I could make coffee, I would play Mother 3 and then drink my coffee and play Mother 3 until it was time to work. And then I would like put it down. And that was like a good pace to play that game uh, until the end. And if you've listened to the bonus episode about Mother 3, <laughs> you know how that ended. Whoops. Um, but Chrono Trigger, I'm kind of trying to do a similar thing where it's like I keep setting aside an hour to play it and then suddenly like three hours have gone by. And that's like yeah. every time I play the game, which I think is great. Uh, so I just want to mention up front the game is very good <laughs> it's yeah. a very good video game I'm, gl- I'm glad that i'm playing it um and sometimes with bonus episodes i like to kind of like wrap my whole life around whatever the bonus episode is going to be just you know in anticipation of it um but also to kind of teach myself some stuff i kind of feel like i'm in this space of like kind of like learning the history of jrpgs in a sense um yeah I, which is a thing i did years and years ago w- when i decided like i want to catch up on all the nintendo stuff i missed and i like went back and played all the like nes super nintendo like first party nintendo stuff that I had missed over the years, like I went back and spent like a year or two playing like everything because as I have mentioned, I only had a Sega Genesis and then eventually PlayStation 2 and I missed like everything in between. So I feel like I'm doing that with JRPGs now because it's a a genre that I haven't been like 
super well versed in until we started doing the show honestly and chrono trigger is a game that i've tried playing so 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 many times and like now to finally kind of have the understanding of a little bit about what i like about jrpgs in general going into chrono trigger this time i a little bit more well versed in like why this game is interesting and why it's cool that it's doing what it's doing and why it's cool that it's doing what it does at the time that it was released in the 90s uh, so that that all has been very cool while simultaneously playing this Tokyo RPG Factory stuff, which is like ostensibly inspired by Chrono Trigger. A lot of the interviews that you'll see with with the uh, project leads over Tokyo RPG Factory are like, we're not trying to make Chrono Trigger again, but what we are doing is looking at like the format of that game, the structure of that game, why the combat worked, why the story worked. You know, the length is very specific. The like kind of episodic based nature of that game is very specific. And they're trying to like tell new stories within those frameworks which i think varying levels of success as as yeah. evidenced by the fact that the games i think are generally speaking pretty uh pretty poorly reviewed pretty poorly received uh even by fans of the genre so i've had a really interesting time playing like all of this simultaneously because i think playing the tokyo rpg factory stuff has really highlighted why chrono trigger is so great and why people would want to emulate it and simultaneously playing chrono trigger i'm like there actually are some things that tokyo rpg factory is improving upon from what chrono trigger did at the time there are a couple there are some things here and there where like i actually think lost fear for example as i've mentioned a couple weeks ago has a better version of the combat system from chrono trigger it is almost one-to-one but the ability to move around the playing field and to set yourself up in different positions to take better advantage of the attacks that hit multiple enemies i think is like actually a really interesting move on that front so that's that's been cool to compare and contrast that having been said the game that you and i have been playing more of this week is the first game by tokyo rpg factory which is I Am Setsuna, which is a very interesting thing. I've played a bunch of it over the past couple days while I've been stuck in isolation and quarantine and also on an airplane. And you said you've played a couple hours of it as well. So I'm curious how you're feeling about it. I'm, I'm more interested in how you feel about this than myself, because I'm just using this as like a way to learn what I like and dislike about the genre. Yeah, totally. um, and also I'm using it as like a frame of reference for how to understand Chrono Trigger. But you have a long history with JRPGs. You have a long history with Chrono Trigger. You didn't like Lost Sphere that much. So I'm curious how you're feeling about I Am Setsuna at this point. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so much. First of all, thank you for framing this in such an eloquent way. So so like you, just to kind of preface all of this, like I this past week, I've mostly been playing Chrono Trigger in anticipation of the bonus about it. Like I've, I've finished it before, but I really want like a fresh playthrough because it has been a while for me yeah, yeah. since I since I played through it. And I always <laughs> like seeing what ending I get without planning ahead because there's multiple endings, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting. I want to kind of go back to like a more general conversation we had when you first brought up Lost Sphere, where we were talking a lot about influence and like sort of the delicate balance of homage and like ultimately my kind of like it's it's really hard to have a declarative statement on all that. Yeah. But I ultimately found that my overall opinion was that like the more things you pull from, the better the work is gonna be. You know? And mm-hmm. to their credit, Soki RPG Factory, like they definitely highlight Chrono Trigger, but they they really wanted to capture that golden age of RPGs with right. their stuff. Yes. So I think that, like you said, it's varying degrees of success. So so uh, just to touch on Lost Sphere, and we'll focus on item sets enough, but I do want to bring it up if that's okay with you. Yeah. I would love to talk about it. I've actually played way, way more of it since the last time we talked about it. Yeah. So I'd like to talk about that shift as well. The caveat of of my uh, hot lost sphere take is that I also am like in the first... <laughs> 
three hours. Mm, so it yeah. feels like I've played the, you know, opening act of it. You, a big lost sphere head, have have even <laughs> said like it takes like a while for it to kind of become the game that you admire. Yes. And so I, I I recognize like I definitely trust that observation about it. And I and I want to preface this too, but I don't think it's a bad game. I, I definitely think that like the reputation that follows it is a little bit unfair. However, I find myself agreeing with a lot of the critiques that kind of surround it. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is that like it's it's just okay. I am someone <laughs> who is a pretty easy audience member. I'm not going to say that I'm like not critical, but if I can kind of like perceive what like any kind of work of art is like kind of broadcasting is like, here's what the experience is going to be. I'm usually pretty good at like jumping on board. Like I'm not going to like have my arms crossed and say, prove me wrong. Like I'm, I'm rooting for every game I play to like win me over. Yeah. And lost sphere has such a weak opening that even if it becomes incredible, it's really hard to forget that. It's totally. really hard. It's kind of ironic because the whole game is about memories and like mm-hmm. <laughs> hanging on to them. It's also worth mentioning that yeah. the demo for this game is the first two hours. Right, right. Which like no no small wonder that people played this demo and were like, why would I ever pick this game up? Yeah. Especially for 60 bucks. Right. And, and the thing about the beginning is like, like I said, when we first talked about it, like I only played like the first like half hour when we, when we first brought it up, but I'm not even getting like a lot of chrono trigger from it. I just sort of like, I, I really struggle to get like a strong sense of identity at all from the, mm-hmm. from the opening hour or two. That being said, I do think you're right that the combat is the star of it. I do think that the idea of like the ability to move characters around to like kind of line up enemies, it really is in all ways good and bad Fantasian-esque. Like I think you were very right to compare it to Fantasian because it not only has that like gameplay kind of designed around lining up enemies and kind of being more aware of the space you occupy, but it also has like similar UI and it also, I think it's not a coincidence that they remind us of each other because both games intention was i want to make an old school rpg like sakaguchi yeah. in, in you know interviews with him about fantasia and he just like i just want to make like one of the old school games that i used to make right i almost think it's inherently limiting to be like i want to make an old school game rather than i want to tell this story through yes. this game right. you know and that's like it's kind of hard to really put into words like how one would detect that feeling but i think this that the intention i think already kind of caps the potential of the game in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth mentioning also uh, on the Fantasian end that like the story is like very much the weakest part of that game. Oh yeah. The reason to play that game is I I think mechanically it feels simple enough that you could kind of hand it to anybody. And even if they have no interest in the genre, they'll still have some fun and it's really pretty, obviously, you know, I mean the, the, the scale models are really great. And, and where I think lost sphere kind of runs in a different direction is like, it still has that great combat. I think the combat is really good. I think the world is like nice, but obviously not as wonderful looking as Fantasian. And the story is just a little bit more interesting. It's I I agree with you that like in at least the amount that you've played, it's not very good, but at least it's more interesting than Fantasian's is. (laughs) I agree. I think that you mentioned how Fantasian kind of feels like a good onboarding game to the genre. Yeah, I think that's really amplified by the fact that it's made for mobile devices and for tablet devices. Like you will enjoy it, even if the story and some of the um, like visual novel parts of it are are, are kind of a hit and miss. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Lost Fear, like I don't think it's I don't think it's like as bad as people say, but I would I would be struggling to recommend it in any meaningful way yeah so that's where i'm at with it i do want to put a little bit more time just to see if i can kind of find
find what you have attached to. But I think that like, even if I do, it's like, cause I am very used to the idea of RPGs having a slow start. Like that's not a new thing. Yeah. I usually give every RPG a grace period of an hour. Cause like, I'm like, it's going to be chores and then there's going to be the inciting event. And that's right. how it has always been. <laughs> but Lost Sphere like really stretches that even that kind of graceful expectation. It's like this is this is actively weak for a pretty long time. Yeah. And it's just it's hard to let that go. And again, I don't want to be too mean, but that's just like how I honestly felt while playing it. Yeah. I, th- I that's all understandable. I totally yeah. get where you're coming from. And I I agree with all of it also, yeah, right. just to be clear. <laughs> um, yeah. there, there are other aspects that I didn't even bring up in my whole like diatribe about Lost Sphere a couple weeks ago or whenever that was. Specifically, like, although the combat is very simple and I think like really uh, interesting, it's also like way too complex at times to the point where I just ignore a lot of the complexities entirely. Like there's a lot of stuff. They, the, they have essentially the materia system from Final Fantasy VII in here, right. which involves like attaching abilities to your characters and then augmenting those abilities with things called spirit knight or spiritite or yeah, something like that yeah. and then if you have the right thing attached to the right ability sometimes it'll do a thing called sublimation which will like fuse the two together so it's always active like there's a lot of stuff going on and then you have this whole other aspect where it has the final fantasy 6 mechs in it which like enhance your abilities <laughs> and do a whole bunch of other things and then the mechs unlock new abilities that are like it's just it just gets so like lost for lack of a better word yeah yeah that like eventually i actually just chose to actively ignore all that stuff i don't use the mechs at all at all yeah except for when i need to for exploration purposes which does happen every once in a while you have to put them on to smash a big boulder that's in your way sometimes uh, <laughs> or to jump from a really high place to a really low place yeah all of the like spirit night like materious stuff i just find like totally uninteresting what i generally do is i'll just like if i have a fire attack i'll put a fire materia thingy on it so that just is more fire and then sometimes it's like you did a great job now it's more fire always cool great (laughs) and that's as much thought as i want to give it outside of that i think uh, the combat is like really really wonderful outside of all those complexities yeah i agree and i think the shining the gift that lost sphere gave to the world is moving the characters around like that is a really great way to, to sort of like add more agency over a chrono trigger like battle system yeah i think it's really effective i think it's really fun i'm i think 16 or 17 hours in at this point i have not skipped a single battle at this point which like yeah. generally for rpgs of any kind i usually will try and avoid battles at a certain point when i'm more interested in the story than i am in in the combat um or even if i like the combat in things like tales of arise for example by the time i get further towards the end of the game I'm like i don't want to be doing the combat anymore i just i just want to wrap this up lost fear i'm still very into the combat so that's still going strong what i think is really fascinating about it is like i would say and this sucks and i know that so i I just want to make that very clear before i say this out loud (laughs) Uh about 10 hours in the story suddenly got fucking great (laughs) i'm like i saw a lot of a lot of people who had played the game and hated it and left pretty early which i understand and then i saw a couple people here and there uh, in like various forums all over the place that are like, the more time you devote to this, the more you like it. And I was all, I was really curious what that meant. And at a certain point, about 10 hours in, suddenly all of these characters that you've been roaming around the world with for all of this time, you know, you're deep into like what the actual story is and all that stuff. But you don't really know anything about these people. Suddenly they all get backstories and they're all like really interesting people. Yeah, and they start yeah. to play off each other in new and interesting ways. And now even further in, I've had a couple like actually really shocking 
shocking moments in the yeah. story. There are a couple twists that happen that are like real eye roll. Like this is I, I saw this coming like literally five hours ago moments. <laughs> and then other things where I'm like, this, that's a fucking bold move. Yeah. Like they're actually really shocking things going on. So all that said, I think the reason that I've been playing this game for so long is I find the art to be like nice to look at. Yeah. The, the, the backgrounds and environments are really nice. Yeah. And the music is great. Same composer as I am Setsuna. The music is great. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about I am Setsuna, uh, soon, but like I am Setsuna is mainly known for having an all piano score. And in this game, the composer wanted to, you know, branch out, do a little bit more, I, I would say like what you would expect, you know, yeah. it, it involve a bunch of instruments, do like a really kind of classic JRPG score, uh, more orchestral sounding. And, and it really works. I, I think a lot of it is like kind of earworm adjacent, really. Really, like I, I was walking around Paris, like humming some of the shit from Lost Gear. Um, <laughs> so all that's really good. I, I just think the game is like a six out of ten. Not not to like boil it down to a, to a number, but like it's a six out of ten for a really long time. And I found that very comforting. It was like very comforting to start the year with something that was like this. Just feels nice to play for kind of inexplicable reasons, even though none of it is really like exceeding my expectations, and none of it is like I would say capital G great. A lot of it is really good, and that's kind of enough for me right now while I'm in this space where I'm, like, playing Chrono Trigger and, like, waiting for Pokemon Arceus and all this other stuff to start launching in 2022, which we know is going to be a huge year. Lost Sphere has kind of been, like, a comforting thing to go back to. And the characters were just, like, bland enough for a long enough time that I was able to kind of, like, insert my own shit into their heads, in a sense. (laughs) Um, Until they, again, all became great. So now I feel like I've been rewarded for just kind of, like, meandering mindlessly through this world. Yeah. And I'm being just, like, thrust into what is actually a kind of interesting story. I don't know how it's going to wrap up. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I know at this point where I'm at, I'm enjoying it a lot. But again, when I'm comparing it to something like Chrono Trigger, I'm like, man, I really wish I wasn't comparing this to Chrono Trigger. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help that the game is calling out those comparisons. Yes. It's like, man, it's just, it's just... Again, it's like, I, and I get the intention. I get that, like, the developers were like, you know, Chrono Trigger is this huge landmark title that has had profound influence, but no one has really sought out to replicate it exactly. Yeah. And not that that's what they're doing, but it's like, you know, you don't see a lot of games try to go for that style of combat or that style of storytelling. So I really admire that. Yeah. I think that, like, now we'll get to I Am Setsuna in a bit. I'll say that it's way more successful in I Am Setsuna than Lost Sphere. And it sounds like Lost Sphere, like, while it has some serious flaws, is still, like, capable of greatness in in certain moments. You know, that's cool to know. It's cool to, like, it's okay for a work to be flawed and to have that relationship with it. It reminds me a lot of what a lot of people in my life have said about Final Fantasy 13, where it's like, if you can put up with the first 20 hours, it eventually gets great. And that's, that's a big ask, you know, that like, I think we're both pretty patient with games, but that's like a lot to ask, it you is. know, yeah. you know, and, and it's really like, it, it's, it's nice that this game found you at a time of the year and a time in your life where you like actually had that time to give it and you're enjoying that investment. So that's really yes. cool to hear. That's the thing is like, yeah, I, I, I definitely come into this from the perspective of like, I don't recommend this to anybody. It's <laughs> like truly. <laughs> But I'm having a really good time with it in the space yeah. I'm at now. Even like right before recording, um, there were some people who tweeted at us specifically about um, our conversations about Death Stranding. And that's a game that I like liked enough when I first started playing it. Yeah. But it wasn't until a very specific 
point in my life, you know, we were like getting into the second winter of our like long pandemic. And I was like, I really just need a world to get lost in. And for some reason, Death Stranding kept calling to me. And like at that time in my life, Death Stranding was the perfect game for me. And I played the whole thing in like a week and I like really loved it. And I kind of feel that way about Lost Fear. We're like totally. Yeah. Right now, at the point that I'm at in my life, this is exactly what I needed. And I really I'm really enjoying that. I, I, I think it's uh I think it's good. I think it's yeah. a good game. And like if you're just looking for like another RPG to play, you could do worse than Lost Fear. I'll say that much. That's the thing. It's like I, I know I was very critical and like I, I think that, you know, like I've we both play bad games. They don't come up. <laughs> you know, like we don't we don't bring them to the show. Like I like yeah. there are there are so many games that are so much more egregious than Lost Sphere. Lost Sphere is like a very passable to below average to sometimes great time. Like it's yeah. it's definitely like I like and that's the thing. It's like I get the critiques that surround it, but it's ultimately like it's not like a complete failure like a lot of people write it off to be. Yeah. And I, I actually I, I think it's worth kind of circling back to what you were talking about in terms of Chrono Trigger and its place. You know, I, I don't want to get too deep into it for obvious yeah. reasons, but like Chrono Trigger and its place in kind of like the tapestry of the genre is, you know, you have these really kind of like uh, titanous figures with Sakaguchi and Yuji Horii, uh, the creators of Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, saying like, we want to make a thing that's not related to either of these franchises that we've built up. You know, like at this point, they're what, four or five or even six entries into each of their respective titles, right? Uh, yeah. And are, and are like, we got to do something different. Both of those franchises are known for having like really expansive, long experiences, you know, and and at this point are like starting to tell story and putting story at the forefront. Like once you get past Final Fantasy four, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to tell an interesting story. And then there's all these gameplay mechanics that kind of like shuttle you through the story that they're trying to tell. Dragon Quest is telling kind of a similar story over and over and over again with a very specific twist each time with the exact same very comforting mechanics. Both of these creators are like, I got to get away from this. Yeah, enough is enough. Yeah, And, and are like, let's take a break. Let's make something new. And they made Chrono Trigger, which is like really short. But has that same like kind of uh, chapter by chapter aspect of a Dragon Quest while also having this like active time battle system that went on to kind of become like the staple of Final Fantasy combat for a long time as well. So you have this kind of like best of both worlds of both of these creators. Yeah. And to me, it felt like the two of them saying like, this is actually like our world's fair of JRPGs in a sense. Like this is all of the like titans of industry coming together and saying like, this is what the world should be in this sense. This is what JRPGs could be. And also newcomers that were like kind of like getting, finding their voice at the same totally. time. Yes. So there's this aspect of Chrono Trigger that I find really interesting. And you and I are obviously reading a lot about the development history and all that kind of stuff in preparation for the episode. But like, I, I think one of the things that I find most interesting is that like, here are these two extremely well-respected people in their, in their industry saying like, this is what the future could be. And then almost nobody ran with it for a really long time. Yeah, And I right. do think it's interesting to have Tokyo RPG Factory in, uh, you know, the mid 2010s. And now like, you know, they're still releasing stuff as far as I'm aware, even now saying like, it's kind of weird that nobody's run with that. So why don't we do it? And why don't we modernize it in a way that like feels natural on modern systems? Um, and I think in that regard, Lost Sphere is successful because it is kind of accomplishing a lot of the stuff that I like about Chrono Trigger, not at the same tier, not at the same level, but like I could never expect most games to reach the same tier of Chrono yeah. Trigger, you know, like that, that that's kind of the, the big like double edged sword of this whole thing is although they're comparing it to that, you can never expect that. 
you know, like that's a nice thing to aim for, but not to achieve. And I think like even having the same like energy as Chrono Trigger is enough to make a thing like probably good. Um, yeah, totally. So that having been said, I'm now playing I Am Setsuna, which you are also playing, which I think in terms of like trying to go after what made Chrono Trigger successful is immediately, immediately more successful. Yeah, I'm very happy to pivot to this because I really like it. Like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it. I actually laughed out loud at how much better it was like just immediately. <laughs> yeah. But I Am Setsuna is just kind of immediately gripping in a way that actually I think is just impressive like Forget the immediate comparison. It's just like a good opening like yes. for a game. Because I think an opening in anything is like it's there to in a game, especially it's like, are we are we learning the game concretely or are we establishing tone? Mm-hmm. And I think they actually do a pretty good job doing both specifically tone, because the very beginning of I Am Setsuna, you play as the main character who's this uh masked mercenary named either Endir or Ender. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce it. I thought I thought it was Endir, but now that you're saying it out loud, it might Ender makes thematic sense given yeah. his role in the I was story. About to say, yeah. <laughs> so Ender's this mercenary, big cloud strife energy, but without the sweetness underneath. Like <laughs> you're you're given dialogue choices that are either like fuck off or I don't care. Like those yeah. are your choices for most of the time. <laughs> so you kind of just learn like you fight a bunch of penguins with this old man uh, and you learn how to play the game and the the single piano score is really good i know that like probably from like a orchestrator's point of view is like you know okay we're going to do single piano it's a choice but it does create such a unique vibe and it adds to the almost fable like feeling of the story here yeah i agree you know it feels like it's something familiar that we've kind of heard before in a way and i think they uh the, the composer cited joe hisaishi who does a lot of the music for studio ghibli as an influence and you can really feel that very much you're a mercenary who uh is kind of immediately hired to kill a young woman named setsuna so like i almost don't want to spoil that but i think it's kind of impossible to talk about the game without saying that I think event, so too. yeah because like it opens and they're like we want you to kill her and then the opening credits are just Ender walking through like a snowy forest as the opening credits roll. And that it's really like, compare this to Lost Sphere, which is like, can you run eight errands for me for an hour? <laughs> this is so immediately powerful and like kind of surprising and, and sad. It just feels like, you know, not to be too mean on Lost Sphere at this point, but Lost Sphere was very ambitious and is going in a lot of different directions where I am Setsuna feels very focused. And I think that really pays off. I do think playing these in the order that we're playing them in is really aiding our opinion of I am Setsuna as well. I think that's I true. Think, yeah. Because for a lot of people, it was the reverse. For a lot of people, it was like I played I am Setsuna and then immediately, you know, went and Lost Sphere came out a couple of years later and played that. It was like, wow, I can't believe this is the same team, you know, like to download <laughs> that demo and play the first two hours of Lost Sphere after finishing I am Setsuna, which I'm sure is like probably pretty good all the way to the end at least based on some of the reviews i've read i'm sure it was kind of like a a, a quality whiplash um <laughs> al- although like i'm saying lost fear gets there eventually really deep in i am setsuna's first hour is like just stunning i mean yeah. it is like really really good i will say there are some changes some quality of life changes in lost fear that i kind of wish were available in i am setsuna namely honestly the ability to move around in combat is really great by itself i think that that's really good but even just one thing from chrono trigger that it's missing that i'm surprised by is like if you pick like an attack that has an area of effect you can't see all of the enemies that the attack is going to hit which is like such a bizarre thing to omit (laughs) 
Yeah, and I, I would say that the combat is is definitely fun, but it does also feel a little busy at times. Like, yes, I mean, they've straight up just taken moves from Chrono Trigger. Like, X-Strike yeah. is in the game. Aura is Cyclone. in the game. Yeah. Cyclone is in the game, which I don't really mind because I actually think that the rest of the game has such a unique feeling that it doesn't feel totally eye-rolly. But yeah. it's like, this feels a little bit like, it, it kind of goes back to focusing on the wrong aspect of influence, where it's like, I didn't love Chrono Trigger because of X Strike. Like that's yeah. not like. The, but also, know? like on, I think maybe maybe a rebuke to that is like. I mean, the stuff like, okay, so you have like potions and ethers and stuff like these things are just inherent to all That's of true. these That's games, you know, like yeah. at, at the end of the day, like it's, it's still Square Enix making this game, you That's know, true. like you're right. Th- this is like, they own X strike in a sense. I'm sure they don't have it like trademarked or something, but like if, if it was any other company, it would be like a little bit kind of weird in this case. It's like, okay, yeah, the company that made X strike is still using X strike and that's fine. You're right. I also think like if, if they had that move, but they called it like teamwork strike, they, you know, it's like, <laughs> just call it extra. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Part of me does admire that. Just like, we're just going to straight up take this. We're just gonna and I it, think it's yeah. inherently different because the characters that can do X strike in I am Setsuna are immediately at odds with each other. Yeah. Whereas in Chrono Trigger, it's, it's frog and Chrono just, you know, complete bros they love each other immediate buds yeah <laughs> so like already it has a very different flavor to it and i right. really like so you know not to get too into the story but essentially you're tasked with killing this young woman named Setsuna, who you quickly learn is meant to be a sacrifice in this village which is also very interesting and it's kind of eerie that like everyone is like super into it like they're yeah. all kind of they're all sort of sad to see Setsuna go but they like are fully buying into this idea that this needs to happen mm-hmm. which I immediately started to question I think I'm rightfully questioning it mm-hmm. um, but it's like okay every so often there's a young person that needs to be sacrificed to keep monsters at bay and Setsuna has been chosen as that you approach her and try to kill her immediately which angers the entire village because they're like if you just killed her you would not only commit murder Murder, but you'd be dooming the human race because we wouldn't have properly sacrificed her. Right. She is mysteriously like forgiving of you and and wants to help you, which is kind of odd. But you know, it, it's it, 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 it. There's definitely mystery there that they're setting up. I think if you talk to enough people in the village, you just kind of learn that's the kind of person Setsuna is. Yeah, she's just very like, selfless and very forgiving, yeah. and and it's like, oh, actually, you're very powerful. It would be helpful to have you with me yeah. on my journey. Yeah, and and her whole thing is like, if you're like task is to kill me why not help me see my pilgrimage through to the end that way i'm still dead and this is said differently yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm still dead and you know you know you'll you'll get paid and i will have done my ritual in a sense to me i mean i i I struggle if i want to say this much about it i think i should because i it would be weird to talk about in the chrono trigger episode it makes more sense in this one anyway in a way to me it kind of feels a little bit like an homage to chrono trigger in that i think one of the one of the greatest or one of my favorite things about Chrono Trigger, at least in the opening, is this kind of like spin on the idea of saving the princess. Like yeah, the way yeah. Chrono Trigger opens is with every video game. It's like, oh, you save this princess from like a calamitous event uh, and immediately you're like sent into trial and thrown in prison for an attempted kidnapping of the princess instead. You're like judged for trying to save the princess, for trying to do the thing that you do in every other video game, which I think is really great. And this game kind of does a similar thing in a sense where you save this quote-unquote princess by allowing her to die (laughs) which is like dark 
some dark yeah. shit. And you're joined by um, another person in the village who reminds me a lot of uh, San from Mononoke a little yeah. bit. She has like, a similar kind of outfit, but Eterna, I believe is her name. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, essentially like the bodyguard of Setsuna does not trust Ender at all. And yeah. And is I think her addition to the party really helps because I think she's almost the audience surrogate where it's like, why the fuck are you trusting this guy? <laughs> you know, she's kind of I, I always love the character that is directly asking the question that like the audience is screaming at the TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that just just the three of them, like I, there's already been more characters that are kind of foreshadowed to joining the party. But I, I honestly think you could do the whole game with just the three of them. Like It's a really strong trio from Go, which I like, love the next character, though. Oh. I mean, I think I, I think I might have met him already. You, you definitely already did. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty early on. But all, it's kind of interesting because like on a surface level, Lost Sphere and I Am Setsuna have a lot in common. They look kind of similar. The character models are like FF9 meets Awakening No Feet polygon <laughs> models. Yeah. Uh, the the world. I think the world map is prettier in Setsuna because I like the dedication to like winter and the world map has almost like a kind of like watercolor vibes no no not watercolor but like the trees look more kind of like artistically done rather than just like a 3d rendering of them yeah not that that can't look good but it just like it looks more like you're looking at a piece of art than like yeah a ps1 world map i think um, it's fair to say that that i am setsuna feels more art directed like they they invested yeah. more in the art direction of that game than they did the lost sphere and i wonder if lost sphere was rushed because like it came like a year later like it was not long after i am setsuna yeah i think it was like two or three years but it was still like a pretty short turnaround yeah so it just I, i'm glad i got to play i'm sensing because it feels like like even when you're playing lost sphere it's like it's not like like there's again even in the hours i played there are like moments that kind of like like look at a more successful version of itself yeah and i am sensing just sort of feels like a very unique story kind of anchored by familiar mechanics, mm-hmm. um, which I think really works, you know, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, man, it was a lot of like conscious effort <laughs> to play Lost Sphere over literally anything else just to like give it a fair shake. Yeah. And I am Setsuna, I actually find hard to put down. Like I actually really enjoy playing it. I'm like about a few hours in, my ship just crashed just to give you a metric of where I am. Oh yeah, you're pretty early still. Okay. So yeah. pretty early, but I, I definitely have more confidence in where the story is going. It's already compelling at that point. Yeah. Right. Which I think is important <laughs> to, to mention. One thing to know, it's not a caveat necessarily, but it potentially could be, is that the difficulty spike with the bosses is kind of wild. Like the bosses require an understanding of the mechanics that most of the random encounters do not. Mm. <laughs> I think the lessons that this game picked up from Chrono Trigger, which really pay off, and Lost Sphere did too, is that the battles are very quick. Yeah. They're very like tense and fast, and then they're just over, which I really think works yeah i do think that like chrono trigger this game feels a lot more fast-paced in its combat i think i think the we'll talk about this a lot in that bonus but i I think chrono trigger really like nails this feeling of like i guess just the active time battle system this is maybe one of the only games that i think it's actually really successful in honestly that i've played and and lost fear sorry not lost fear i am setsuna like actually really kind of nails that feeling in a sense especially to me in the boss battles i think the boss battles because they're so tense because they can be so harrowing at times you kind of forget the fact that you're playing a turn-based game at times because things are moving so quickly lost fear we're doesn't feel that way i just spend more time 
in in uh, I guess just like the placement of things. I spend a lot more time uh, with the strategy of it than I do engaging in the actual like quickness of battle, which you know strengths and weaknesses to both. But I think in terms of you know pulling from Chrono Trigger, I am Setsuna is definitely more compelling from a combat perspective. Yeah, it's a really good game. I'm actually surprised that the reviews. Like, even though they're much better than Lost Sphere, the reviews were also kind of lukewarm on it. And, yeah. like, I think that also, the, that to me more boils down to, like, the pitfall of the direct comparisons it's making. You yeah. know, again, it's like when you compare yourself to Trigger, even if you're an eight, you're going to look like a seven. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, it is not putting you in the best lighting. But I do think that, like, I would recommend I Am Setsuna to someone who loves this era of RPGs that just wants, like, a fresh narrative. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, it does feel ironically fresh. It doesn't feel like I think that's really strengthened by just the uniqueness of the piano score and like the delivery of the story. Like it's just it's just really well done. And I think again, it's it's much more focused and that really works for me. Yeah. I don't I don't want to say too much more from a narrative perspective, but I do think it's I think it's kind of interesting. I I'm I, I this is like light spoilers. I don't really think it's that spoilery but um a thing that's going to come later for you it appears that this pilgrimage the sacrifice the the whole like reason for it which i think you know already at this point but like the whole idea is there's a sacrifice that gets sent out to this place called the last lands and when they make it there if they can make it all the way to the end of this pilgrimage monsters won't attack humans for a period of anywhere between like 15 to 20 years somewhere in that vicinity and setsuna is being sent out early on this pilgrimage because for some reason the peace didn't last as long this time um, from the last time that it happened. And I have found that there's a lot of like moral ambiguity, obviously, in what's going on with Setsuna. Like, I mean, generally speaking, bad to sacrifice human life or anything. But that said, the way the different towns that you come across react to this, to this idea that like the sacrifice actually didn't really work that well last time is really fascinating. I think yeah. you're going to be really taken in by every village you encounter and yeah. their and their different reactions to the fact that monsters are coming back like five to 10 years too early. It's It gets to, I think, what is lying at the heart of both of these games and I think is going to be more successful in I Am Setsuna because it's more on the surface than it is in Lost Sphere. You've already kind of tapped on it with Lost Sphere uh, in, in our text back and forth off the show. But I think both of them are commenting on JRPGs and like game stories in a sense. I Am Setsuna, I don't really want to give too much more away about it. But I think once you start to like scratch the surface of it, you're going you're, you're gonna to realize what it's doing. And you're going to be like, yes, this is very good uh, because it's a little bit more overt. And Lost Sphere is interesting because, as you mentioned, uh, in our text chain back and forth, Chrono Trigger is about like seeing a calamitous future and saying like we can change this. And Lost Sphere is about remembering the past and like honoring the past and trying to, you know, make sure that your memories of the past are like fully rounded uh, yeah. and, not, and not just like, you know, a rose colored glasses version of nostalgia. And I, I think that that's very powerful and actually gets more totally. interesting the further into the game you get, um, yeah. because there are some things that you'll find you actually can't save uh, in Lost Sphere, which uh, gets interesting from a narrative perspective. I am Setsuna's commentary on kind of like repetitious storytelling, I think is very cool. Uh, and and, cool. and I think becomes more successful the further in you get. Um, I'm, I'm about, I would say, five or six hours in at this point. My party's filled out a little bit and uh, you're going to like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see it through. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely all in on yeah. uh, 
on Setsuna. You're right, though. It is harder. It is a harder game. Yeah. Which I've been kind of surprised by. Um, I, I, I find that to be fulfilling. Like, I, I don't think it's like crushing or bad difficulty in any sense. But I was surprised at how much more difficult it is than Lost Sphere. I, I am a little bit confused by how the material system works. There's like a sketchy mage that you had to sell parts to and then you can get the material that lets you use cyclone yeah kind but, of, it has that same problem that i was mentioning with lost sphere where yeah. like they add layers of complexity that don't need to be there and actually that's one of the i would say that's one of the biggest deviation points from chrono trigger in a sense is that chrono trigger is so streamlined like yeah there's oh, yeah. no explanation needed for almost anything about the game except for where to go next and i am setsuna and lost sphere are both like mired in adding all of these like extraneous mechanics that like really don't need to be there and actually in a certain sense like detract from what the game is trying to do yeah not not in like a huge way in, in Setsuna but that is like I think one of the things that's holding it back from like pure yeah. greatness I'll give you I'll give you a, a tip that I have learned from playing Lost Sphere because Lost uh-huh. Sphere has a, has a similar situation where you need to get materials from enemies that you kill and trade them for the materia I, which I think is called Spirit Spirit Knight or something yeah but anyway I'm just gonna keep calling it materia you need to trade <laughs> materials for, for materia and I have found that it is more advantageous to just like show up in a new town go talk to the person who s- sells that stuff and be like can I get anything new yes oh that's pretty cool and if not it's like don't go out of your way to go find the material that you need because there are ways of doing it there's like an in-game bestiary in both games that tell you how to get the specific materials you need if there's like one thing that you need you know two more of i spent i would say an hour doing that in lost sphere at one point like going out and like specifically trying to upgrade certain materia like get certain materia and did not find that fulfilling at all so i'm probably just not going to do that in either game that's good to know thanks for the tip unless there's something you really love from chrono trigger that has made a return in this game which is possible if there's something that you're like oh man i can't live without x strike 2 you know not really i mean chrono trigger has very few like not to spoil it but there's a point in the game where like suddenly there are a lot of different side quests i think like every character kind of has their own quest but before then, like, there's really not, like, a huge thing you have. To, like, there's no, like, golden chocobo to breed. It's just sort of, like, yeah. you just find stuff. It's worth mentioning so. I Am Setsuna also has that. The only side quests in the game eventually are side quests for each individual character in your party. Oh, that's cool. It does really remind me, too, of Final Fantasy X, the pilgrimage aspect, where, like, Yuna has her bodyguards, like, take her on this yep. kind of ambiguous quest. So that that actually also works for me. The guy you've way. already met. I mean, he is he seems to be straight out of Final Fantasy X, if you know who I'm talking about. He's softer Arin. Silly yes. Arin. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to play more of it. I'm really, really happy that I found a game from this team that I connected with more meaningfully. Yeah. And have you played the third game at all? Uh, Oninaki, is that what it's called? Oninaki. Uh, no, not yet. I, I am going to wait until we're done with all the Chrono Trigger stuff. I'm going to try and space it out, I think, because there's been a lot of Tokyo RPG Factory on the show. And I know it's like not the most compelling thing to talk about outside of the context of like talking about it with Chrono Trigger. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to take some time and then eventually come back with Oninaki which I'm excited to talk about the thing about I am Setsuna is like this is a game that has been on my radar for a while and I think like yeah even outside of this conversation one of us would have brought it to the show I agree you know I think yeah. like it definitely stands on its own outside of like it's better than Lost Sphere like it's just a good game yeah <laughs> 
so I'm, I'm a fan yeah oninaki i'm excited to play eventually uh specifically yeah. because it ditches the active time battle combat and the real-time uh, combat uh, and be or, and sorry and the turn-based combat and becomes real-time interesting um, which is a little bit of the reason i actually checked out the final fantasy 15 pocket edition last week was specifically because that also has like a real-time combat and kind of a similar art style going on um yeah. so i wanted to play something else from square enix that is more triple a than tokyo rpg factory to compare and contrast those eventually as well um there's another game on that list what is it called world of final fantasy that's on the switch that people seem to like that also has a similar combat system that people recommend so at some point in (laughs) in 2022 i will check all this stuff out i think what what i'm trying to focus on in 2022 a little bit is as i mentioned kind of like filling myself in on this history like as we mentioned final fantasy 6 remastered comes out next month at some point the rumor being that they're all gonna come to switch as well which i'm very interested in like if that game drops on switch i will absolutely play it and i'm very interested in playing it on switch but if not also play it on mobile and probably have a really good time but either way like I've been enjoying dipping into these like kind of heralded classics um, and yeah. comparing them against games that are like very on the surface inspired by them. I think that that's a really fun experience to like kind of jump back and forth in time in a sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point you're equally well versed with RPGs as me. Like, I think you've, you've basically caught up. I don't think that's true at all. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> I think that's so far from the truth. <laughs> What I mean by that is like <laughs> you definitely like it's night and day from where we started the show. Absolutely. Yeah. You've played and enjoyed so many of these games like you unprompted got into series that I hadn't even experienced. Like it's mm. not like I wouldn't I wouldn't say you're uh you're a beginner anymore. Yeah. You're bound to surpass me one faded day. I played uh, six hours of Star Ocean First Departure R on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I do want to play that. I'm excited to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're gonna lose your mind at um <laughs> what is like the big kind of inciting event twist of that game. I'm so excited because it's Star Trek-esque. Yes. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yes. All right. Sign me up. Yeah. It It is a good idea for a Star Trek episode. Speaking of Star Trek, I recently did a gift exchange with, with close friends of mine. Like that was like, it was meant to be Christmas gifts, but a little bit after the fact. Yeah. I was given not only a Picard action figure. Whoa. But also uh, a, a, an album by William Shatner that just says Bill on the cover. <laughs> I don't know if I have any way to play CDs other than my PS2. So I feel like once I put Bill into my PS2, like <laughs> something is going to change, you know? <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I love that. I also got, I, I shared this online, but my, my friend Sadie and Eric, thank you for these gifts. Sadie's been on the show. Uh, Eric got me um, two giant vinyls. One is of all of the Supergiant soundtracks. So it's like new versions of songs from Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. Cool. Like just the dream. Yeah. And then also like a huge Undertale, like double vinyl thing that has like, reorchestrations of that soundtrack so i i'm like set i got bill i got undertale and uh darren korb sign me up that's great i didn't even i didn't even mention this the composer for nobody saves the world is jim guthrie who did uh sword and sorcery so oh nice there's also that amazing it's a great score yeah i can't believe i didn't mention it also the soundtrack for uh i think both lost sphere and i am satsuna is on spotify but I am Setsuna, like they're both really good, but the I am Setsuna soundtrack is like remarkably good. Yeah, the I am Setsuna score is like wild. I will say about Lost Sphere is that I think the overworld music 
like rivals Chrono Trigger's overworld music. Like I, I, I find those two to be in conversation with one another and I find them both to be like real earworms. And I've been thinking about both of them a lot. Nice. Yeah, there, I mean, that episode is going to have a lot of stuff talked about. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot on our plate for that bonus. I'm so, so excited. That's yeah. going to, um, the Chrono Trigger episode will be coming out at the end of the month, potentially beginning of February, but we're doing our best to get it out uh, at the end of January. So keep your eye on that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that's, that's Tokyo RPG Factory stuff. I am Setsuna. I think like blanket recommend. I think it's yeah, very good. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's worth mentioning. Like, I, I hate to be this guy, but like, they're all, they're on sale all the time. Like, I am Setsuna yeah. and Lost Sphere and Oninaki. All three of the Tokyo RPG Factory games are always on sale. Um, So I would just say, like, sit tight. Hang on to Deku Deals. If you don't know Deku Deals, you should check that website out, DekuDeals.com. They keep track of all the sales and how often they happen and, like, how good the discount is. So you can keep an eye there. Uh, but I would recommend picking up I am Setsuna. It's frequently on sale for $10. So it also looks like it's a similar length to Chrono Trigger, which is good to know. It's like 20 hours. That's actually a big thing is I am Setsuna is the same length as Chrono Trigger and Lost Fear. They were trying to do the same thing and then realized the story needed a couple more hours. So I think it's closer to like 25 or 30. Gotcha. It's a little bit longer. So I'm I'm over halfway. I would say I'm like in the third act at this point. Nice. And uh, it just it just got good. (laughs) (laughs) It shouldn't take 10 hours to have any character development is like. (laughs) Like story writing tip for all of you aspiring writers out there. It shouldn't take 10 hours to understand who the protagonist is. (laughs) I just imagine like a one act play where it's just like four people in a room sitting in pure silence for 10 hours. And then one of them goes like, so in the, in the Canyon where I grew up, I, uh, I used to be able to use magic, um, before the fall of man. Right. (laughs) After Steven put Bill in his PS2. humanity immediately got wiped off the earth i feel like in order to call william shatner bill you have to own that album like you know like, <laughs> I, I feel like you I, have yeah, to definitely put that in your ps2 or ps1 and then like you get a call like hey you're in you're, you know <laughs> yeah that's it and then they hang up yeah. <laughs> <You're in. laughs> i did watch a bit of the i need to watch the whole thing but the documentary captains that is um william shatner yep. like interviewing every actor who's played a captain on star trek <laughs> The two clips that I love is <laughs> that William. That documentary is fucking wild. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. But the two clips that I like will just put on unprompted at public events. One is uh, William Shatner asking Avery Brooks, Captain Cisco of DS9, mm-hmm. what happens when you die? And then Avery Brooks just laughs and starts playing piano and goes, I wish I knew. It's like... <laughs> unbelievable and then the other one is i think he shows up in front of patrick stewart's mansion and is like do you want to do this and and patrick stewart goes bill you called me (laughs) (laughs) i love them it's so good what a soul every season of star trek is available on netflix dear listener uh you can go check those out every day is a battle of whether or not i get paramount plus you know that's like the thing i'm eternally wrestling with why you want to watch the new stuff yeah, I mean, I'd like to watch Discovery. I'd also like to watch the Lower Decks has been recommended to me a lot, which I've like heard I've heard that Lower Decks is like the one. If you're yeah. like a fan of old school Star Trek, like that is the one to watch, which I am shocked by. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I, so, yeah. Uh, I'll probably watch it eventually. But for now, I'm rewatching Next Generation. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it. It's the way to do it. Anyway, should we wrap up? I guess we should because we're talking about Star Trek. I do feel like the second act of 
like you and I making podcasts is like we do into the aether for 10 years and then we do a next generation show. Well, now that I'm in and I have Bill's number, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. You he's know? our third guest. He's going to live yeah. forever. <laughs> I've played lost fear. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, we talked about that one already. <laughs> I can't do a good Shatner impression, but just envisioning him talking about lost fear just like <laughs> elevated my soul. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Into the Cast.online is our hub for everything. That's our Twitch, our YouTube, ways to listen to the show, and our Patreon. If backing the Patreon at all puts you in any financial strain, please do not. But by backing the show, you get access to all our Patreon episodes. I have two like in the works. I, I don't know exactly when. One is aimed for February. Um, and there's another one in uh, early spring that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. And we have some other ideas, too, that might be featuring people other than ourselves. I think that will be a very open platform as time goes on. Um, but we definitely have intentions to do more stuff there. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. We will communicate all of that very directly. In terms of streams, I would like to keep doing my FF7 playthrough and also would like to return to the Nuzlocke Shining Pearl, just trying to makes sense in my schedule after the holidays and everything. So one of those things will resume and yeah, that's basically it for that. Just thank you so much for all the support you've given us and for listening. It means the world as always. Yeah. I have a bunch of stuff I'm <gasps> hoping to make soon, which I'm excited about. TikTok, First of all, it's video games. Cool. I'm, I've been like really, really dying to make stuff on that again. Uh, so I'm excited to be home so I can do that. So, you know, when some, interesting news comes out or whatever check that out i guess i'll put the link in the show notes uh, if you haven't checked that out yet i've also been because I, I spent a lot of time in paris doing like actual street photography and stuff uh and i'm really dying to do a sequel to my mass effect video that was so good you absolutely should yeah, yeah. uh I, i've been talking on and off about doing uh the ghost of tsushima ps5 remaster and i think that that's the one for the next one at least until cool. another big photo mode game comes out um so I guess stay tuned for that. I, I, I'm going to try and make that. I, that feels like a good thing to make, like when it's really cold and I can't do anything else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, expect that stuff. I am very excited about the Patreon stuff. Um, I mean, there's even more stuff that we can't talk about yet that I'm excited about. Uh, so I guess a little teaser for that. And also just next week in general, I think is going to be a really fun episode because Pokemon Legends Arceus coming out, I think oh is going to be a big deal. And I feel like that's going to be that has the potential to be a Kingdom Hearts three scenario. And I really hope it's not. <laughs> Uh, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know what that means. And uh, if you Look, haven't, then just buckle up because maybe you're going to find out. <laughs> anything Pokemon related elevates us to sort of Dionysian levels of chaos <laughs> that I, I think like it doesn't even matter if that game is good. It will be a fun episode. You're <laughs> right. I will, you're right. I will get wine for that. Yes, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good idea. OK, so um, I'm excited about that. I'm actually really excited for uh deed lit in wonder labyrinth yeah um, me too which good uh, things. yeah i've heard really good things about it. i think that's gonna be fun um and also gotta finish chrono trigger this week so yeah a lot of stuff going on i'm definitely i'm definitely trying to finish chrono trigger in time because we're trying to record that like this coming week yeah oh yeah I'm, I'm just also excited to go back to slowly working through the ds library like i know we have a long time for that episode but i like i like being able to kind of slowly go through it over the course of six months yeah so i don't know if that will come up on the show all the time but that's just something i'm looking forward to doing and yeah 
Uh, just thank you. Thank you so much. I, it's, it's really nice to have you back. I know that it really changed anything for me. We just recorded over Skype, but I'm glad you got home safely. And uh, I'm just excited for this season. There's a whole year ahead of us, Brendan. I'm very yeah. excited. Yeah. 2022 feels, uh, feels exciting. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, Let's that's it. fucking split. Hey, my name is <laughs> Activision Blizzard King Brendan what, what Bigley. Is why is this Why is this twice? I don't know. I just, I, th- I just think it's funny that the biggest corporate merger in American history, the big, sorry, the biggest cash corporate acquisition in American history goes completely unmentioned on our podcast. And like, there's no, there's not a world in which we would talk about the big Microsoft Activ- uh, Activision acquisition. Wow. Tongue twister. But uh, I don't know. I wanted to fit it in somehow. <laughs> I like the idea of making a major event, a nickname in passing. <laughs> yeah. For the audio SEO. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I'm I'm uh, I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm Bill. All I'm right. Bill. You can find me in space. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Worst garbage, the online.